This is former WWE referee Justin King, and I've had the pleasure of talking with Ephraim on the Atomic Podcast. Intellectual simulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Ephraim Guzman. Ladies and gentlemen, Justin King. Justin, what's going on, brother? Doing very well, man. Doing very well. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, and I know you rarely do these things, and I I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on, man. It's re- I'm really honored. Thank you very much for having me. I typically don't have time for the podcast, but, you know, you're a good dude. We had a good conversation, and I'm really happy to be with you tonight. I uh, appreciate it, man. Um, let me just get started, man. Um, were you a fan of wrestling growing up, and if so, who were your favorite performers? Uh, yeah, I started watching wrestling. Uh, my mom was a huge wrestling fan, and uh, I have an identical twin brother. Most people know that already. Robert King, me and him were twins, and uh, both of us started watching wrestling. And I think I went to my first wrestling event in 1987, Peoria Civic Center. And um, uh, I have to say, during that time, I was a big Ultimate Warrior fan. Um, I really liked Demolition. Some other people that I really liked and looked up to, I loved the Rockers. That was a good team for me, and... Um, uh, Hulk Hogan obviously was like the number one guy, so you always got excited when you saw him in the ring. But I was a big Dino Bravo fan. Wow, um, <laughs> I don't know, it. man. I, I like so many hills, man. I, I was a hill type guy, man. Oh, um, did you did you and your brother like a lot of tag teams? Because you figure you guys want to be tag teams when you grow up or something like that, or no? Yep, yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Um, I, I, um. We looked at the tag team division at that time as like the greatest thing because you had the Heart Foundation, you had the Rockers, Demolition, Legion of Doom, you had Doom from WCW. There were so many good teams at that time that it was like tag team wrestling was where it was at. I really, really loved Survivor Series. That was my favorite pay-per-view because I knew that and Royal Rumble, but Survivor Series was special to me because you always had teams. Yeah. Yeah, which one is your favorite Survivor Series? Do you have a, a favorite one? Oh man, I think I think my f- favorite Survivor Series would be the one that had. Um, uh, I want to say where you remember where I can't remember exactly the the, the year, but I want to say it was the one with Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior and Tito Santana at the end against oh, Power yeah. and Glory's whole entire team. Yeah, uh, it was the elimination. You remember that one? Yeah, where it was like the Soul Survivor elimination, and then I think Tito got eliminated. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was my favorite, favorite Survivor series. Awesome. Uh, so I think my favorite Royal Rumble was 1990. 1990 but, was my favorite Royal Rumble. Is that where Ric Flair won it? No, nope, he won it in 92. This was 1990. Um, Hulk Hogan won, uh, but this is the one where a million-dollar man did you make the transition from, from being a fan and, 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 you know, into getting involved in wrestling and also be, becoming a referee? 
Um, uh, me and my twin brother met uh, a guy named TJ Lightson in uh, Champaign, Illinois, where I live by, and he had championship belts. And I, I, I um, let me let me reverse this real quick. Hold on. Uh-huh. When I was 12 years old, I met Jack Dunn and Chad Patton. They were referees. Yeah. Okay. Wow, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and they uh, what they did was they were at a show in Peoria, and me and my twin brother got to meet them outside of the wrestling ring you know the arena they were outside and we just happened to meet them they gave us an autograph and um the relationship never ended from that moment 12 years old and we got two referees that that cared about us the rest of the way they gave us free tickets all the time and um we just stopped it it, it became more of a study versus being a fan then i stopped studying the wrestling and i started studying the referee you know what i mean yeah so um i think that once i got to be about 14 because in my yearbook my high school yearbook it says you know justin what do you want to be when you grow up i said wwe referee you know now i was at 17 years old so i think kind of i knew at that point that that's what i was destined to do and i just stuck with it i never paid for training i never went to anybody's school i never gave out thousand dollars to learn i learned the old-fashioned way i watched vhs's and dvds <laughs> and i studied yeah so uh, that's yeah, because o- yeah, that's awesome. Cause you know, a lot of people pay for like, like you said, X amount of dollars for certain wrestling schools, and you know, and 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 tell me something. Like, I know, like certain schools, even to be a referee, you have to go through the training of a wrestler. Is that pretty much true in your sense? But even though you you say you you watch a lot of DVDs and you know tapes and study like that, but if if somebody's trying to be a referee, do they have to go through like wrestling school as well? That's true. Because uh, me and me, so fast forward to 2006, um, I talked to Chad Patton, and uh, he says, man, if you want to get into wrestling, man, you got to start on the independence. So me and my brother met that guy at Champagne I was telling you about, yeah. and he says he has no good referees. And I said, well, you know, give me and my twin brother a shot. We kind of double teamed him, and yeah. he gave us a shot. And um, once that happened, it was like uh, it was like one of those things where, you know, it was a hit or miss. If I could do it, then I would do it. If I couldn't do it, then I wouldn't do it. But I did go through the chop line. And I did do the wrestling. You know what I mean? So, no, I was going to ask you, um, who are some of the refs that you look for for guidance and inspiration, like to to improve your craft? Okay, so a lot of people always say Mike Kyoto and Charles Robinson, but mm-hmm. you can't learn anything from those guys because they are seasoned referees. And I don't mean that in a bad way. You know what I mean? Yeah. They have their own style. They have their own way of working in the ring, right? Mm-hmm. So what I did was, I'm like, okay, well, I can't learn anything from them because then I'm going to be an imitation of what they are. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So I watched Chad Patton. I'm not going to lie to you. I watched Chad Patton mm-hmm. the whole entire time from the time he started to the time I got in. Wow. And I'm a, he's a friend of mine. So like, I studied him because it, to me, and I'll say this, for anyone that wants to be a referee, Chad Patton is the most awesome generic referee you'll ever meet. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, by the way he moves and the way he does things, all referees should do that going into WWE. You can't be a Mike Kyoto. You can't be a Earl Hebner. You can't be a Brian Hebner. You can't be a Charles Robinson because they're seasoned. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They have their own style. But Chad is perfect. Like, to me, he's the best Chad and John Cone, those are the two mm-hmm. that you need to watch if you're going to make it in this business and do something that is, like, dead on the money. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Was you ever a fan of like Tommy Young and Bronco Lubage and Teddy Long? Um, yeah, I was a fan of them. Tommy Young and, and Teddy Long, especially both of those guys. I don't know the the, the, the second guy you named. I don't. I don't um, Bron- I, was, uh, I think he was in World Class Championship Wrestling back in the days with the Von Erics and from Texas. Okay, yeah, I, I never got to really watch the WCCW World Cha- you know, World Class Championship Wrestling. I never got to really watch it. Yeah. Because um, growing up, we were poor, so the truth is, is we were poor, man. Yeah. And my mom, she did the best she could with three kids, and she made sure we had the best of everything, but, you know, cable was one of them things where we got WWE and we got WCW, but we didn't have nothing else, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we're lucky enough to have that. My mom was a great mom, and she, she did what she could, man, and I'm blessed to have her, man, but I never got to know who that was. But the other two, Tommy Young and Teddy Long, they made NWA, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's when, that's when the time was good, but they again, there again, their style... You can learn from it, mm-hmm. but you should never duplicate it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, um, what? Never take what Teddy Long has done and, and try to duplicate it because I can't. Yeah. Um, which wrestlers' matches were the most fun to officiate? Oh man, I, I told you, man. I, I absolutely love Santino. That was my favorite wrestler. Yeah. You know, for the era that I got in, um, I really had a lot of fun with Dolph Ziggler. He is fantastic. Yeah. He just, all right, uh, uh, just one of the best matches that, that I ever had in my life was Bragging Rights 2010, Dolph Ziggler versus Daniel Bryan. That's my mm-hmm. favorite match that I've ever done. And I really enjoyed working with the Divas. The girls, once you get into a relationship with the girls, you know, a professional relationship with the Divas, yeah. and you work with them on an every week scale, man, dude, they are great fucking people. You know, they're great people, man, and these girls... You know, they may not have the skills like the guys. You know, they may not be able to do some of the things that the guys can do. But guess what, man? They put their heart and soul into what they do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even if they mess up or something like that, they take full credit. And it just is what it is. I enjoyed working with the Divas. Now, maybe none, none of the other referees did. I don't know for sure. But I worked every single Divas match for so long that I started being known as the Divas ref. Literally. Oh, wow. Um, is there any particular divas you got along with more than others, or pretty much everybody was, like, the same? Did You know, like, was there certain ones, like, you had a click with, like, had a, had a connection with? Um, I never really hung out with divas, but I will tell you that there, I was really close with uh, Alicia Fox, uh, Gail Kim when she was there. Uh, Rosa Mendez was really sweet to me, um, and she never really worked on TV much, so I didn't work with her very, very often, but outside of the ring, she was very sweet. I always had an admirable respect for Lake Cool. Yeah. Those two, to me, they made a difference in my career, period. And I did the retirement match for Michelle McCool, and I was asked to do that, and I was I was humbled, and, you know, because when I did my tryout, um, when I did my tryout, uh, Undertaker was at the ring, so, wow. you know. You know, a lot of people. You know, he's a he's a he's a he's a businessman. If you and if you have the respect from him, then that says a lot. You know, and I spent a lot of time working with Michelle, so I was around him a lot. You know, when he was around, you know what I mean. So I had a lot of lot of respect for Michelle McCool. Um, other divas I got along with Maria. Man, you know what? Pretty much every diva, I never really had a problem with the divas. None of them. I mean, Kelly Kelly was cool. I worked with her quite a bit. Eve was awesome. Um, I really was close with uh, Awesome Kong. Yeah. Oh, wow. She was, Kia is, Kia is one of my favorite people in the world. And I travel with her a little bit, too. So, this, this the, the, the girls, man, I, and I never, oh, the Bella's sweet, sweet 
them how sweet the Bellas were so sweet to me. You know what I mean? So I never really had a problem with the girls. I didn't get mixed up in their drama. Whatever drama they had, I never got involved in it. I never heard of it. Yeah. I didn't spend much time trying to get involved in that. You know what I mean? I walked I walked very lightly when I was there. Um, what's your best road story or rib that someone's played on you or you've been or you played on someone else? Um, I think the best rib story that I ever had was um we were on house shows and uh, the ongoing rib for like that whole loop was that me and Rosa Mendez were a couple. And uh, <laughs> I thought it was funny because I had never, I had never, you know, heard that I was hot on Rosa, you know what I mean? Yeah. That I had this big crush on Rosa and all the boys were in on it, Cody and Dolph and all those guys. And uh, this was all going for like three or four days, you know what I mean? And yeah. I was like, you know, like, you know, I never, uh, I never really had an answer for it because, you know, at that time I was completely like dumb to ribs and whatever else, right? Because I never really got ribbed. I mean, they were very respectful of me because I worked hard for the boys. I knew where everything was at all times. You know, they could come to me and ask me anything and I knew the answer, you know? Yeah. Um, and another one that I had was Tony Atlas was on the road with Abraham Washington. Yeah. And so he was on the road all the time when they were doing that, uh, that whole skit thing where he was doing that laughing gimmick. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and um, for a long time, he would tell me that he was, you know, gay and that he loved me and that he wanted to be with me. And I was scared to death. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so huge. You know, what am I going to do? You know, and it went on for months. I'm talking months and months and months. I think it went on from, like, I want to say November all the way to WrestleMania. Oh, my God. Uh, the following year. And finally, um, and finally, he introduced me to his wife. You know, my mom and my dad came down for WrestleMania, he introduced me to his wife, and he told me that he was ribbing me to see how I would handle it, and, you know, I handled it, you know, pretty well for him, and he respected the hell out of me for that, because I didn't, like, it wasn't like I, you know, was, like, scared of him, but I was intimidated, <laughs> I can't tell you, because he's one of the strongest people in our, in our business. Yeah. So I was like, man, this is gonna be the end of me, you know, <laughs> but... You know, he was he was fantastic. I I, I respect Tony so much because he ribbed me so hard and for yeah. so long. I mean, I couldn't do nothing but respect that man. You know what I mean? <laughs> you didn't want to sing Moon River. That's probably why he was like, "Oh man." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, don't please don't." You know, it's like one of the things like, "Please, please don't do this to me." You know, but you know, all in all, I was grateful that the man chose me to. You know, obviously respected me enough to do that. You know what I'm saying? And um, I, I respect him for that, and you know, so that was those are my only two like things that I remember, you know, because I never really got ribbed. Oh, um, what what? I was gonna ask you, um, where where has been your favorite place to travel as a ref? Oh man, dude, that's a great question. Okay, so WWE goes overseas every April and every November, and I was fortunate enough to go to Doha, Carter. And that was one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. It's my Dubai. Um, and I enjoy Europe. I, I really, truly enjoy Europe. I, I enjoy going to Germany, Romania, Switzerland, Poland. Um, England was fantastic to me. So many great places, man. I think Europe is probably at the top of the heap, you know, as far as places to go. But I think the most humbling experience is going to India. Wow. That's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Oh, how come? Why India per se? Because they are the hardest working people I have ever seen in my life. Wow! And they are so 
the world is so messed up and people have this, uh, they have these, these closed eyes to different cultures and, and things like that. And, um, you know, I've never been one to try to make, I've never been one to talk about other cultures, you know what I mean? I don't get mixed up in politics, I don't get mixed up in who's bad and who's good and all that other stuff, I just don't. I don't, I don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but going over to India, I went over with an open mind. You know, I heard so many bad stories. But you go over there, man, and these people, they're so kind, dude. All they want is a handshake and a picture, man. You know, and they, they, they'll, they'll bend over backwards to make sure you're happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every hotel we stayed at, they gave us the utmost respect. And I mean that, dude. I'm talking about the most respectful people that I have seen in the, in the world. No one else can compare to the type of people that are in India. They're so passionate about everything. They make things by hand. Uh, there's a video that Kali posted um, for the making of CWE when we did our first shows. Mm-hmm. If you see how hardworking these people are, they're making things by their hand. They're, they're putting up the, the venue by hand, dude. They're very hardworking people, man. No shoes. You know, you got women carrying sticks on the top of their heads, man. It's just, it was just an amazing experience. And until you go, you can never say anything about that country. You have to go to see it. You have to go to be a part of it to make your judgment on what is good and what's not good. Does that make sense? Like, you got to make sure that when you are talking about a country, you got to go there and experience it before you say anything bad. Because what someone thinks of a country may not necessarily get what you get, may not be what you get out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, how do you feel when you um, debuted as a ref as compared to now? Do you still get nervous when you're still refereeing as back then till now? Yeah, actually, yes, I do. Yep, wow. I sure do. Okay, so I, I am so humble to wrestling. Um, uh, Crimson has become my best friend, and um, I spend a lot of time with Crimson here in the States. And Apollo, I don't know if you know who Apollo is. Yeah. LAX. Or, okay, so Apollo, the original, uh, the original you know, whenever he was, he was a part of TNA originally, those two have become my best friends, man. And I'm going to tell you right now, I have never not been nervous during big matches. And the reason why is because once you get too complacent, then it's no, there's, there's nowhere else to go. You know, I still think the same way I thought when I did my very first match on Raw with Big Show and Evan Bourne, I, you know, always, always say a prayer, always, you know, sometimes I get sick, but that's just, That's just a part of it. It's the rush of knowing that you're getting ready to be a part of something magical, man. And if you and if you feel like, oh, this is a this is not it's not fun for you or it's become a job and um that happened to me quite a bit. Like with WWE it became a job, you know. So sometimes it wasn't fun for me. But now that I'm having fun again and I I'm not saying that I don't want to go back to WWE because everyone wants to go back to WWE, which If I do, I do. If I don't, I don't. You know, I had a great time. I'm thankful for the five years I had, you know. Mm-hmm. But right now, man, seeing these matches, and I'm working with a lot of TNA people that I've never met before, and watching their style and being in the ring with them and, you know, going to India and meeting people from all over the world, yeah, I get nervous. You know, Kali, you know, working with Kali and Brody, we have 60-something thousand people on our second show. You know, it's a WrestleMania on a regular show. Wow. And... You've got 60,000 people screaming Kali's name, and you can, my goosebumps were so high, man. You know, with a tear in my eye, I'm just nervous because it's so good. And I was chosen for that spot, man. So, yeah, I get nervous. Absolutely. Wow. wow. Um, do you do anything special um, to get ready for refereeing? Is there, like, a ritual that you do? 
What are you uh, referencing? Yeah, if I'm not with my twin brother and I'm by myself, yeah, there's rituals that I do. If I'm with my twin brother, I, I spend a lot of time, you know, making sure that he's good, you know, because mm-hmm. he's still very new to the business. Not new to the business because we started together, but very new on a professional scale, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm always trying to get him to that next level. But if I'm by myself, um, I typically, and this is a God's honest truth, I will put gospel in my ear. Mm-hmm. And I shut down on the world for a little bit, man. I smoke my cigarettes and I go into my own place, man. Um, um what, um, what is your workout regimen like? Like, do you work out too? I do. I do work out now. Yeah. Um, I typically work out with my best friends at home. Uh, two of my best friends are personal trainers. Um, so they just got their degrees in personal training, and uh, I had that freak accident in 2010. So you know, I got you know, two plates and 10 screws still in my left foot. Right. I had three plates and 17 screws. So I haven't been really that, been able to do leg workouts since 2010. So to compromise, I do a lot of upper body workouts, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I work out about three times a week or four times a week, depending on my schedule. And I put a lot of effort into working out, man. I'm upper body, I'm stocky, but lower body, I don't got much there, you know? I just started working out on my legs, but... Yeah, man, I, I try to stay as fit as possible because when I was injured with WWE, I went from, when I was on my last leg of WWE and I knew I wasn't going back, I just kind of gave up on trying to watch my body because I was 151 pounds solid every year for four years with WWE. I didn't fluctuate, I didn't fluctuate weight, but then I got up to 197 pounds in 2013. Wow. And it was bad weight, so I was pretty heavy. I was heavy. I'm not going to lie, man. I was heavy. And I, I didn't look like myself. I lost my love for the sport for a while there. And um, I took about two years off and I was in a dark place and I just got heavy. So I had to drop the weight. Wow. So that's it. That, that, and I thank Jeff Jarrett every day. Mm-hmm. You know, every single day I thank Jeff Jarrett because without him, I probably um, would have, um, been in a bad place, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's so good to me, so thank you, Jeff Jarrett. Wow. Um, how how did you get to um, Global Force Wrestling? Um, did he called you up, or personally? No, I, I did it myself. Oh, wow. I saw that he was doing, I saw that he was doing Global Force, and I'm like, man, I'm like, dude, man, like, this is your opportunity to try to get back, you know, to doing what you love, because I was starting to get the, the itch to do it, you know, and, um, Finally, I just, like, wrote, I wrote Global Force, and then I wrote uh, Lance Hoyt. You know who Lance Hoyt is? Yeah. I wrote, I wrote Lance Hoyt, and I said, who do you get in contact with Global Force? And he told me uh, to get, a, you know, to write uh, Sanjay. And I, I wrote Sanjay, and I gave him a huge um, um, list of my accolades and a resume, and then I got booked. So, you know, I was grateful, very grateful. Oh, you know, right. they were looking for good referees for that moment, and I needed it, and it was right timing, and I just thank God every day because now I'm back on schedule. You know what I mean? It's not all the time, but it's, it's enough time for me to where I can be home, and I can still travel, you know? Yeah. Um. Do you keep track of your matches? If yes, how many have you been a part of? Um. I've been a part of... I know all my matches by heart, but mm-hmm. I, I can... I can tell you, man, I, I've done so many matches, because you got to think, I did about five matches every day on the house shows for yeah. two or three days a week. That's 15 matches a week. 
watch my TV tapings, you know, so there's another two or three matches. I don't know, man. I've done about 500, 600, maybe even a thousand matches. Wow. Because I was in, I did independence for two years before I even got into WWE. And with that, I was working 10 states. I got myself booked on 10 states before I got signed with WWE. Don't know how, but I did it. Um, what is your favorite match to officiate and what's your least favorite match to officiate? Uh, I think the worst matches to do, honest to God, are hardcore matches. Yeah. I'll do them, but I'm not a hardcore type person. I, I don't like hardcore matches. I absolutely hate hardcore matches. Yeah. I think it's just because I'm not into the whole blood and all that other stuff. And God, dude, it just sucks, man. I am not <laughs> a fan, but I will do them. You know what I mean? I, I I love to do monster ball matches. That's a hardcore type match, but it's got a story to it, you know? Yeah. I just don't like the barbed wire and all the glass breaking and blood everywhere. It's just not for me, you know? Yeah. But uh, but my favorite matches to do, honestly, God, I think I would have to say, I really like doing tag team matches. Do tag team? Really? I think that's just because of, yeah, tag team matches. I think that's just because of my history. You know, my history of loving tag team matches. I like to see teams come out and work together and, you know, being that guy to try not to get, you know, the bad guys trying not to get caught and all that other stuff. It's intricate. So tag team matches are difficult, but they're intricate and they're good intricate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, is there any one wrestler that you like to work with that you haven't yet? I would say if I had to work with anybody, I would love to work with Kurt Angle. I've never worked with Kurt Angle. Wow. That would be awesome. And I know that he's a humble, great man, and he knows the business. You know what I'm saying? I would love the opportunity, you know, to work with him. Because other than that, man, I've really worked with pretty much. Oh, I never got to work with Undertaker, and I would love to do that. Or Hunter. Wow. You know, or Sean. So there's all the top guys. Like, I worked with Cena all the time. But those four guys, Hunter, Sean, uh, Undertaker, um, Kurt Angle, I would love to work with. Yeah, um, but I, I know you talked about your injury, but um, um, is that the worst you've been injured due to ref um refereeing? That's the worst I've been injured. Period in my life. Wow, wow. Period. Like you never, you never, never like, oh, uh, like you never messed up your no, hand. My, nope, I broke my finger one time when I was like eight years old. <laughs> I never had an injury until then. Wow, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. Oh. We know sometimes the internet has no chill. So when you have fans online re- simply referring to you as the black ref, was that something that annoyed you, or in a weird way, was that like a badge of honor that the fans were noticing in you? Um, the the moniker black ref, you mean? Yeah. Um, that kind of happened by a fluke. Um, there was just a couple guys that one show that had a black ref sign on a live event show, and then it just kind of like spiraled out of control. Yeah. I think what, what it was was a lot of people were like, oh, that's racist, but it really wasn't. You know what I mean? It really yeah. wasn't racist to me. I didn't ever think it was racist. Because yeah. what it did was it separated me from everyone else. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, there was, I had a story one time where I had a Royal, at the Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble. I was in a fatal four-way match with uh, uh, Michelle McCool, Layla, Eve, and Natty, right? Yeah. And um, I think it was Layla. Maybe, maybe it wasn't Layla, but it was a fatal four-way nonetheless. And behind me was a black ref sign on the Royal Rumble. Yeah. And um, I got to the back, and the, the they pulled me to the side, and they said, did you plant a sign in the audience? And I'm like, what do you mean plant a sign in the audience? You got a black ref sign in the audience. 
Now, why would I ever plan a sign for myself? You know what I mean? Yeah. I was already walking on eggshells as it was. Why would I do something like that to, to, to ruin my career? But it had gotten out of control. You know, they would say Black Ref, F, FTW. And that stands for Black Ref, Fuck the World. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> oh, shit. Quote, unquote. Wow. And they said it to me every day, and I got it. I got chants out the wazoo for that. And um, I thought it was great because, not because of me being black, but just because it was something that was personal for me. You know what I mean? It separated me from the other seven referees. You know, put me in my own category, doing my own thing. You know what I mean? Mm. And I was noticed everywhere I went, so that was nice for me. I thought it was great. Awesome. Um, there's this referee I know. Her name is Karina Kyle. She's a female referee in the West Coast. Um, she wants to know what piece of advice can you give her to succeed in the business? I would say to her, it's difficult to be a woman referee. Kudos to her for doing it because that's difficult. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But what I will say is she's trying to get to that next level. Uh, first of all, she's got she has to... Um, study, you know, I, I tell everybody, study your craft, understand what you're getting yourself into. Don't just go out there and pretend like just make, if you're going to be real at this, you got to literally stop yourself and take a couple hours every day out of your time to just study, take notes, watch your matches back, um, get the constructive, constructive criticism from the wrestlers and really take it to heart, you know, what you're being told. And um, if she wants to get to that next level, then I would say do as many matches as she can, get the best matches that she's done, and make a, a, a montage video with a couple real matches, get a resume together, and send it to them. You know, you don't know unless you try. Mm, awesome. Awesome advice. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've picked up during your time in pro wrestling or life in general? The best piece of advice that I received, man, Mike Kyoto used to keep me grounded. I was such a hothead when I was in WWE because I was young. I just didn't know a lot, you know. They they don't tell you what they want you to do. You just kind of got to learn it. And I think for me, what I learned was patience, you know. Patience to to know that it's not my business. Patience to know that um, there's going to be things that I don't like and there's going to be times where I'm really upset and um, there's going to be times where I'm full of rage and I just got to know that I'm doing something for the common good of that company and um, I, I had to learn to really calm myself down and start taking wrestling with a grain of salt instead of taking it to heart. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times, man, there were so many bad things that happened, you know, backstage. And I would take it to heart and I would beat myself up and I'd snap and lose it. And I was just in, I was young, you know, very young. I, it's been, you know, now it's been 10 years. You know, so I've been able to calm myself down quite a bit. I'm a lot older now and a lot more mature. But I would say my patience has really grown for this business because not every day am I going to get something that's positive and not every day am I going to get a yes. You know, but for the one yes that I get out of 50, you know, that that's, that's saying that someone still cares about me. So that's that's it, man. That's, that's heartfelt when I just told you that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I know you don't talk about politics. I don't really talk about politics, but since... Our president of the United States is a former WWE Hall of Famer. What is your current um, stance on the whole political climate in this country? I don't get involved in politics just because of simple fact. Like, I'm very opinionated, so I've decided to stay out of it. I think that when I looked at the situation and I thought, oh, God, Donald Trump is running for president, you know, here's a guy who's a billionaire who 
has ran hotels and his circle is a billion it's just around billionaires and millionaires and uh, I don't think that Donald Trump has been around you know regular people who are low income or don't who don't have a lot or who who are struggling day to day paycheck to paycheck but still trying to make a way for them lives I don't think he understands the logistics of that because he hasn't been around that for many years you know as a president you got to be able to um, to uh, appease to all audiences and not just some that, that make you happy. You know, I, I think what he's doing is definitely um, TV based in my opinion. You know, when he's talking to these cam, when he's on camera, you know, I'm, and treating the media bad and, and, you know, and whatever he does is just all based on the camera being there. There's so much more to being president, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not saying anything bad about him, but like, dude, if you're going to be president, be president. Don't, try to make it a show because it's not a show you're running a country where we are very very large in population and there's a lot of things going on you can't discriminate you cannot discriminate because regardless america is made up of several different cultures period Mm -hmm. whether you like it or not it's made up of several different cultures you got to be able as a president to not think with your personal thinking but as an american period Mm-hmm. This is the way you have to think. You know, I thought that some of the things he said was stupid, and, you know, that's my opinion, and I thought that Hillary had some really stupid ideas, and we just had really bad candidates, period. Yeah. You know, um, going going back to wrestling, you know, we talked about this before. You and Teddy Long, officially, right, are the only two black referees in, like, the history of, like, the big wrestling business? Nope, nope, nope. I, I want to clarify this now. We were at when yeah. I was there. yeah. Uh, Mark Harris, Mark Harris is one of my dearest, best friends in the world, um, was a black ref, he came after me, yeah. he was in FCW when I was in WWE, he was in a training facility when I was on TV, then when I got injured, they brought him up, for demographic reasons, I'm assuming, okay. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They had to have one black referee on TV, I'm, I'm assuming, because that's what it's been since I, since I started this whole, uh, black ref thing, right, but, uh, Mark was there, and Mark got it, and... Um, he did a great job with it, and then when I got released, he took over my position completely. He rolled with the same people as me. He hung out with the same people as me. And then Derek Moore came along, and he was down in the facility NXT. And then they let Mark go, and now he's the referee that's on TV, the little black referee that's on TV right now. So there's been four since. Four. Wow. And now they have a mixed. Yep. And now they have a mixed guy that's on NXT right now. So. You've had four black referees and one mixed referee. Yeah. So you think it's 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 improving now, like with the diversity of referees? You think it's slowly but surely improving? Um, I, I don't want to say it's improving. I'm just saying, like, I think that WWE is smart enough to know that they have to have several different demographics. You have an Asian referee. You have a black referee. Mm-hmm. You have a you got an Indian referee now that's in NXT. That's one of my nearest and dearest friends. Um, Daryl Sharma, he's mm-hmm. down there right now, and you know it's just now. Then they got a Jersey guy, you know, who's there. He looks like a Guido. I mean, so they're appealing to all demographics at this point. I think that's smart. You know, I don't think that they're doing it to. Um, I don't think that they're doing it for anything less than just trying to get a broader audience. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because still to this day. Um, they still have six white referees and they got one Asian, one black, and that's it. Wow. So, 
you know, it's still very, it's still very much the same. It's just, you know, one at a time, you know, they'll, they'll, so what they'll do is they'll probably hire another black referee just in case Derek doesn't work out and then he'll come up and it's a train. That's what's happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't see color with refereeing. Refereeing should be about how you ref, not what your color is, not who you are. It should be how you ref. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one thing I'm very straightforward with. And I don't think that saying that is wrong because I always try to, I always personally try to do my very best so that when they do hire me, if they hire me one time, they give me the opportunity, I'm going to do my damnedest to be the best referee that they've ever seen in their lives. That's the way, it's, that's the way it should be. It's mm-hmm. not about who you are and what game you play and how over you are with this person or that person. It should be about skill, truly. Mm-hmm. You're right about that. Um, leaving the WWE and coming, like, you know, we were talking about this off off the line, but coming to, like, the independent, like, you know, independent, you know, promotions, is it hard to get booked and gar- hard to get, like, a fair deal in, like, wrestling and independent promotions as, you know, to be a ref in those promotions? It's very difficult to be a referee on the independent circuit because, um, as we talked about this, they can pay somebody $20 that have put on some black and white sneakers and some uh, windbreakers that are black and white and some wrist tape for whatever reason. Why a referee would ever have wrist tape, I'll never know. That's just something that some referees do. I don't understand why they have it. You know, they're not wrestling, so why have it? You know, but they'll pay somebody $20 and they'll put them in the ring, you know, just because you're right. The students that are wrestling, but they make refs so they can save money. Um, but yeah, it's difficult to get refs. It's difficult to get bookings. It really is. Um, so I'm always grateful. I'm 100% grateful for everyone that's ever booked me, you know, that's ever given me a chance to just show them what it's like to come from the machine down to the independent level. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these referees have never been trained. They don't know what it's like on a day in and day out of how to referee. You know, how they say, how they say wrestling is an art form, referees an art form as well, right? It's an absolute art form. There's not two people in the ring in a singles match. There's three people in the ring. Yep. There's there's that third guy that should be able to communicate between two wrestlers. You know, they should be able to, wrestlers should be able to tell somebody, you know, tell a referee something and that referee should be able to relay it with no problem. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's an art form. It's a study. It's a story. You're telling a story amongst three people and in a tag match amongst five people. There's a story. You can't take a referee for granted. And, I, 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 and the, you know, the level that I'm at now when I'm working with some of these top promotions, you know, I, I, you know, around the world, they, they understand that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I got a guy named Brody Still that's from Canada. I'm telling you, man, he's a beast. He never went to WWE, but I'm telling you right now, He's WWE caliber, always has been WWE caliber, but he made his money elsewhere, you know what I mean? And I'm going to tell you, I was intimidated by him when I went to India. When he fought Kali, I was intimidated by him. That's how good he is. I was intimidated. Wow. And, you know, having him tell me, you're one of the greatest referees I've worked around, that's, that's big for me. It's big for me. I'd rather hear from somebody like Brody than just to get up there and have a match with someone that's on um, Superstars and tell me that they had a good match with me. You know, I want top caliber, you know. Kali literally brings just me to India. That's it. I'm the only referee that goes. Wow. He respects me enough to give me eight matches out of ten on a card of, you know, with 60,000 people. And I got an Indian referee who's training, you know, and I'm working with him. But I really carry the show. I worked eight matches out of ten. 
What is it? What is it about you that Kylie likes so much about you? Well, I drove Kylie around at WWE. Um, um, he can't. He didn't drive, so I drove him around. I I took him to the hotel. I took him to Denny's to get something to eat. I took him to the arenas. You know, I I spent all my time with Kylie when I was up at WWE, and um, he respected me, and I respected him. You know, he did his thing. I did my thing, man. My parents got to meet him, and you know what Kylie likes about me is the fact that I'm gonna be. Whatever Kali wants me to be to him, that's it. Like whatever he asks me to do, I'm gonna do it. I'm never gonna, never gonna question it. You know, you put your effort into me, I'm gonna put my effort into you. I'm gonna work hard for you, and I don't just work hard for Kali. I work hard for all 14 people that go over to India. They can call me for anything. I literally stay up around the clock for all the boys. Wow. They need anything, they can come right to me. That's it. Period. I'm gonna be that guy. Wow. I want to make sure that everyone is happy. Everyone is, is is smiling and everyone's got everything they need. And when they're not happy, I need to figure it out for them. Mm-hmm. Wrestling is not just about getting in the ring. It's not. It's not about putting on stripes and going into a square circle and doing matches. It's so much more. It's backstage. It's it's, it's outside of the arena. It's dealing with your people outside of wrestling, period. You know, I talk to my guys on the phone or through Facebook. I talk to them every day just to ask them how they're doing. Because that's what it is. It's a, it's a friendship. It's a family. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, Kali, Kali respects me because I'm gonna give Kali everything that he needs. If he called me tomorrow and said, "Dude, I need you to do this," I'm gonna stop what I'm doing and do it. Wow! And then you guys always had a good relationship. Like you know, you took him around to Denny's, you said, and here and there. Like you always had a good relationship with him, like that. I never had a bad relationship. I never had a bad relationship with Kali. Never. Wow. You know. I always respected Kali, always, him him and his wife. Yeah. You know, I always respected them to the utmost. You know, I, I, a lot of people in WWE thought he was a joke, you know, but he ain't no joke. I'm going to yeah. tell you right now, that man in India, he is India. I don't yeah. care how you put it, he is India, period. Yeah. That country loves him. Wow. You know, we sold the shows basically off of just Kali's face. That's it. Nothing else. Wow. I know, because, you know, I've seen, like, you know, have to have, like, the little documentaries WWE used to do, and then, like, how huge he is in India, and he's beloved and really loved. And seeing that in person yourself, you was, like, in awe, like, wow, they really love him over there. Yeah, they, 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 don't, they don't just love him. Like, they, they, they almost worship him. Wow. Almost. I mean, we did a parade that must have went, I'd say, 10 miles, and I swear people walked all 10 miles on foot just to be next to Kali's car. Wow, shit. That's crazy. Wow, that's awesome. I got a video of it. I, I got a video of it. I have a video of it. I took video evidence of that. You don't know unless you see it. I got videos of where people just came out of nowhere just to see this man. And I'm commentating on the video like, wow, this is crazy. You know, and we went to an open stadium to promote the show. And I'm talking about, dude, I got, I got literally trampled. The wrestlers had to pick me up and carry me. That's how bad it was. That's how many people wanted to see this man touch him. Wow. Um, what goals are still left out there for you? Is there anything you haven't achieved yet that you have your sights set for this year? Um, I think this year I'm just trying to get over to more countries uh, that I haven't been to. Mm-hmm. And then starting with next month in South America, I'm grateful to be going over to Peru, Lima, Peru. Yeah. I'm very excited, man. I want to get down to Puerto Rico, but I know that's difficult. I want to go to... South Africa, and I know that's difficult. I want to go to Mexico to see what their lifestyle is like in wrestling. I just want to do so many things that I, that I haven't done yet. I've been on the big stage. I've done the, the TVs and the, the production.
producing and, and all that other stuff, man. And I just want to, I just want to travel, man. I, I want to be booked every weekend. I really do. I want to be booked and I want to learn different cultures. It's not about the money, man. It's the money is good. That's the best, you know, that's, that's the perk of it. But dude, I want to, I want to see different things, man. I'm, I'm all about trying to add another notch to my belt that I can say, you know, you know, years down the road, man, I was able to do this. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm looking forward to. Would you ever consider doing like a um if you got the opportunity to do a women's promotion wrestling like a all women's wrestling would you would you mind doing that? Oh, absolutely! I would love to do Rise. Yeah, I would love to do Rise. Women of Women of Honor. I would love to do all women's there's, promotions. There's also Sabotage. I don't know if you heard of Sabotage. There's a up you know there's a um upcoming show in Texas. There's also all women wrestling. Would you like to do like a show like that? Absolutely. If I knew how to get in contact with the promoter, I would. Wow, okay. Absolutely. Okay, wow. Um, is there um, anything um, the people could look forward to, you know, could look forward to you seeing you, like, in certain shows or certain areas? Because you're going to India, right, pretty much? I will be going back to India. I'm not sure yet exactly when. Um, okay. So I will be doing that again. I'm sure of it for, you know, a couple times this year. We just don't know exactly when. Kali just lets us know when it's time. And, um... Uh, I got a seminar in Odessa, Texas on May 13th for any referee that's wanting to learn how to ref the correct way, the WWE way. I got a huge seminar in Odessa, Texas, thanks to Fred Urban, uh, who's very respectful down there. He's got a, a promotion called Old School Wrestling, um, and I will be down there May 13th to do that. And um, I, I got a show that I'm doing on WrestleMania weekend in Orlando. Um, for uh, for a guy, and I'm very happy to be doing that. And so I got some some big shows coming up, and um, got a Smash Fest so come show coming up on April 8th. And there's a lot of big names on that, DKs on that, and uh, Ricardo Rodriguez will be there, and uh, Matt Striker, and um, there's just a bunch of names that are going to be on that. A lot of legends and things like that. So I mean, I got some good shows coming up. And uh, that's what I got planned for me right now. And I uh, tried and true pro wrestling for Crimson. He's got a promotion down in um, uh, uh, Clarksville, Tennessee, and it's one of the best promotions in the United States. It sells out literally every show over a thousand people. And um, he's got it down to a science. And he's got a big, big show coming up on March 18th in Clarksville, Tennessee. I won't be able to make that because my twin brother's getting married. But the show's awesome. It's got Rockstar Spud, Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Jeff Hardy, uh, Crimson to be on hand, Sam, Sam Shaw, uh, uh, Chelsea, who's known as, uh, uh, Laurel Van Ness and, uh, TNA shall be there. And, um, there's just a big, big number of names that are going to be on that show. And that, that's my main promotion right now. And I'll be working a show, uh, April 22nd in uh, Cleveland with, uh, with Apollo. Apollo is one of my best friends in the world. He got me booked on this, uh, of the South America tour, and I'm really grateful for him. He will always be my big brother, and so man, I got a lot of stuff coming up right now. So, uh, you know, I was gonna say, you know how everybody's doing like the whole book thing. You ever thought about writing like your memoirs or anything? Or I thought about it. Um, I've been asked uh, to write a book about my life and uh, my life uh, for WWE, and I got a lot of stuff that I could say, and a lot of stuff that I could put into a book, and it would be very, very, very interesting. And um, I just need to sit down with someone that can take all my information and put it into book form. And I guarantee it would be a good seller because my stories are legit. I don't lie. I'm a straightforward person. I never played those games. 
Yeah. So, you know, the book would be would be my life the way I saw it versus the way it should be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't think anybody should ever have to work, you know, walk on eggshells to, to get paid. And I don't think that uh, people should, uh, you know, give them give their, their life up and um, be something that they're not to get a paycheck. Because the reality is, is what I make at my restaurant, I made in WWE. Mm-hmm. So, no, I never made no big money in WWE. And people are like, oh, well, you're on the Mecca, you're making great money. Well, the reality is, is no, you're not. You know what I mean? You just, you do it because you love it. You travel, you make good money, you know, but you don't get taxes taken out. And by the time taxes are taken out, you're living a normal life, you know. You don't have, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars that people assume that you have, especially in a referee role. You're not going to get paid highly as a referee. So, you know, you just got to keep to what you know and what you love. And Monocle's Pizza, um, I worked there before I got into WWE. I came back after I was done with WWE. And Monocle's has been great to me. You know, I got great health insurance and my life is good. You know, I would love to do wrestling full time, but I realize that that's probably not going to happen. So I'm just grateful for what I do get. And it's the extra money that comes in and I, and the learning experience and meeting new people. So that's what I'm about right now. Um, do you miss, um, I'm sure everybody says they don't miss the travel, but do you miss the travel a lot going with WWE? No, because I travel a lot now, you know. Uh, okay. You know, I'm, I'm still putting in 29-hour flights to go to India and, you know, and 10-hour flights to go here and there. I still travel quite a bit, you know. I normally drive to my shows, so I'm still traveling quite a bit, you know. Yeah. Back and forth, here and there, you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, I think that the only thing that I truly miss about WWE was just the different cities every single night, you know. But then you don't sleep very much. You don't see very much, you know. You, you see hotels, you see airplanes, you see arenas, and you see food. That's it. You know what I mean? And you have the occasional fun every now and then, but that's so far and few and in between, you know? Because yeah. you got to get up and go, you know? As soon as you get there on Raw, you got to drive five hours to the next town. No. So by the time you get into the next town, it's 4 a.m., you got to be at work at 9. You know, you get there, you get three hours of sleep, you got to get up, you got to start over and do it the next day. So I don't miss it. Yeah. You know, I, one thing I really miss is just the fans. You know, I miss... I miss seeing different faces and I miss seeing people be happy at what I'm doing and not because I, you know, I was a big deal in WWE. Whether they want to admit it or not, I was a huge deal in WWE. Huge. Because fans knew that when I went out there, I was giving my all, man. If you've never watched that bragging rights match, and I'm telling you this right now, if you've never watched that match, watch it. And it was right after my injury. So you will see me limp in that match. You'll see me limp very badly in that match, but what you will see is 24 minutes of just pure awesomeness. Wow. What was the match in bragging rights? I'm trying to remember. Daniel Bryan versus Dolph Ziggler, Mm -hmm. title champ versus champ. Daniel Bryan was the U.S. champ, Dolph was the Intercontinental champ, Vicky Guerrero was there in Dolph's corner, and it was me. And it was fantastic, man. I mean, fantastic. Another great match that I had. They finally gave me an opportunity to work with Randy Orton in the ring, and I did a match on Raw with him versus Drew McIntyre. And that was those two; those are my two matches. That man, dude, I'm I put my efforts into them. Wow, that's awesome. Um, Justin, I know um your brother's getting married and everything. Um, how deep and close, you know, because you know there's brothers who love each other, hate each other, get into fights with each other, but they're still family. Like, how much do you love your brother? That's my best friend in the world. I talk to my brother ten, fifteen times a day. Wow. Wow. That's my best friend in the 
Wow, that's awesome. You know how some family members uh, I, don't talk to each other, yeah, so that's some amazing. Fam- right, some families just don't, but I can tell you right now, man, I don't have a I don't have a great relationship with my older brother and that's fine, but you know, me and my twin brother, we are super close. Like I I'll, I'll drop everything for him. Period. I don't care. And I'm telling you this match this show with Crimson on the eighteenth is massive. But my brother's getting married and that's more important to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Crimson understands because he's one of my best friends, but my brother, man, that, he comes first, man. My, my mom, my dad, my brother, you know, my girlfriend's been my rock, man. I always haven't been the greatest to her, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, wrestling is difficult, but, you know, she stuck by me, and I'm, I'm, I've turned my life around finally, but, like, man, she's a soldier, and my twin brother's a soldier. He goes above and beyond for me, and, you know, the greatest thing in the world was watching him debut on TV. That was the greatest thing for me. Not even for myself, just for him, like... You know, yeah, I made it, but the biggest accomplishment so far right now is that both of us have made it to two platforms, and he was the first black referee in TNA history. That's awesome. That's really awesome. So we're breaking barriers, man, and I'm very happy for him, and I'm happy that people are seeing us for our talent, not for our skin color and not for who we are, but for our talents, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, because I don't play, I don't play... I don't play race games or none of that stuff. I'm 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 cool with everybody. You know, I don't see color, man. I see people. I see good people, bad people. But my twin brother, he's the greatest dude I know, and I mean that. I hope he hears this. I'm gonna have him listen to it because I want him to know. Every day of my life, he's the greatest person that ever came into my life. Always will be, wow. and he deserves everything that he's getting right now. He's a police officer. He's a police officer. He protects his his city. You know, and now he's got TNA, but he's a cop, and I'm telling you, man, he's just down to earth and one of the greatest dudes I've ever met, ever. Are you are, are you the best man at the wedding? Absolutely. Wow. Wouldn't be no other. <laughs> awesome. I'm best man. You're right about that. <laughs> I'm going to get my five minutes of fame in at his wedding, too. <laughs> you know, I'm a manager for wrestling. You know, I manage, uh, I do a manager in Chicago. I don't know how far you are from Chicago, but uh, I... I work for Resistance Pro still with, you know, Billy Corgan at Resistance Pro and yeah. I stuck with, you know, Billy's really close with us and I I got permission. You know, I, I, I was grateful that, you know, our relationship has lasted, but I'm, right now, my guy, Cobra, we call ourselves King Cobra. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen it on my Facebook yes. if you have, or if you haven't, go check it out. Uh, but um, I'm going to send you a, a, a promo of me just doing an interview with Cobra, okay? All right. And, um, I, I take that to heart. I'm a hill manager, so I take that to heart too, man. You know, I'm a different person, man, when I'm inside that jacket. I wear a jacket that's got Cobra's, you know, our name on and all that stuff. Kind of like a Jimmy Hart type jacket. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I take that to heart too, man. And, dude, that's another passion of mine, being a hill manager. And I, if me and Cobra could get booked places, I would totally do that too instead of wrestling. Because that's a huge passion of mine. Wow. I learned my promo away from Dusty, so... You know, I'm, I'm, I get on the microphone and I go, so. You have. I got to get diamond, I got to get diamond cutters by D, DDP with him, so that was awesome. You have any good Dusty stories? Uh, yeah, I got one funny story about Dusty. Okay, so right before I broke my foot, right before I fell off that ladder and injured myself, mm-hmm. uh, it was November, it was right before we did our mask and swear guard, and we'd just come back from, um, from overseas, and that was my first overseas tour with WWE, and, uh. I don't know, uh, one of Dusty's assistant, Matt, um, he was, he was, his name was Matt Marlero, and, um, we used to call him Kenobi, Matt Kenobi, mm-hmm. and, uh, I had a, I brought a brand 
because I love Tiger Woods. I dress like Tiger Woods. I'm pretty much like a Tiger Woods replica. <laughs> so I had bought this brand new Nike hat, and I'm going into FCW, and Kenobi takes my hat, and he threw it on top of the roof where Dusty's office was. I was like, you son of a bitch. Like, I was very upset, you know, like, that's a $40 hat, you know. So I climbed up the entranceway, and uh, I went to grab my hat, not knowing that the ceiling was like a drop ceiling. It was like kind of like a, you know, it was like a drywall. It wasn't oh. like an actual ceiling. Yeah. And I fell through the ceiling. <laughs> I fell through the ceiling into Duffy's office. <laughs> and I was dangling, I was dangling through his, through his uh, cords. And I, I had to pay, I had to pay to fix it, you know, but Duffy was looking at me like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> you know, <laughs> But he did never threw my hat up there. I never would have jumped, you know, through. But uh, Dusty was Dusty gave me my nickname. My nickname is Bones for wrestling. Yeah. And uh, we do promos every Wednesday, and uh, all the wrestlers would go up and do a one minute promo, and I would do the times for them. You know, start them off and then end them out. And one day he was really upset about the promos, and he says, "He says Bones, get up there and cut a promo." And everybody's looking around like, "Who the hell is Bones?" And he was pointing at me, <laughs> but I didn't know he was talking to me. Yeah. So he's like, oh, let's get up there and cut a promo. And he pointed to me. He's like, you, get up there. And I'm, so I jump in the ring. And at that time, I was, in a, I was in a bad mood about the other referees. I don't know. I, I used to get mad about stupid shit all the time. So, But uh, I'm in the ring, and I cut this promo. And it was about a minute long. And after I got done, everyone clapped. And he said, that's how you do a promo. He said, I don't know if that was real, if it was fake. But that's how you do a promo. And from that moment on, my moniker Bones was named. And that was my nickname in WWE. No one ever knew. I'll, I'll tell you right now. I can tell you right now. 65% of WWE did not know my name was Justin. Wow. They call me Bones. So, yeah. Wow. That's Great guy. Um, any, any other stories with yeah, Dusty? Dusty was just a man. Dusty, Dusty was in control of every FCW taping. So, you know, Dusty was the one that helped. He was the glue. He was the glue to the developmental stages, man. The guy rest his soul, man. So sad when he passed away. But Dusty was the one that held it all together, you know. I mean, he was so enlightening, and he would he would make sure that everyone was in the right place and where they needed to be. And if you weren't there, he was going to make sure you got there. And if you couldn't get there, then it was your time to go, you know. You had to take it by the rings and run with it. But Dusty was the, the glue that kept FCW together when I was there, you know what I mean? And even in XT. Yeah. So, you know, you knew that if something was going to be shown, it was definitely Dusty. Dusty was going to make sure that this was the greatest show that you would ever see. Wow. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I uh, I just was grateful for him. You know, I, I still am very grateful for him because he made my career better. I can tell you that much. He made my career ten times better. Um, What's your favorite motto, um, Justin? Uh, my favorite motto is, the world does not expect, and I mean this, this is my motto, and I keep this, I made this up myself. The world does not expect you to do good things, but through the blessings of God, all things are possible. And if you can't get there, you need to stop, figure out a way, and keep moving. And that's my favorite motto. I say it to myself all the time. Wow, that's awesome. The world does not expect, yeah, the world does not expect you to, to do great things, but through the grace of God, all things are possible. If you can't get there, stop, think about it, and keep moving. Yes, that's my favorite model, and I say it to myself all the time. All right. And Justin, my final question for you is, what would the Justin of today tell the Justin of yesterday? The Justin of today would tell the Justin of yesterday, 
get your way. You do not need to get mad about things that you're in. You're not in control of. You need to learn to go with the flow, let things come as they will, and be very sensitive to other people's needs and understand that no one is, no one will ever be like you, Justin King. Wow. That's awesome, Justin. Justin, man, I, I, I appreciate you opening up to me, talking to me, and I know you don't do this normally, but it was a pleasure to talk to you, man. I thank you very much for having me, man. It's the first podcast that I kind of just can't let my let my guard down a little bit. And, um, I just want to say thank you very much for reaching out to me because you were very respectful to me, and that's what it's all about. It's all about respecting and, and being a good person, and you were that to me, and so... I urge all your listeners to continue to listen, and um, I hope that you gain several new listeners out of this. And um, I think that at the end of the day, man, you got a good thing going on, and I hope that you never change who you are. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate that, man. And I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks.